The Smith Written by Hypothetical Shagoth The Smith squinted at the tiny brick on his craft branch, the AR and his schematics overlaid on it, showing the changes he still needed to carve into the material. He'd gone with a classic design this time, the local species was close enough to human that he could make a classic sword with reasonable adjustments. The earlier worlds had required claw sheaths, tentacle gauntlets, EMF projectors and one case of combat tap shoes with a matching castanets. But he was in the business of salting worlds with the tools of heroes and his upbringing left him with a bias for swords. Behind him was a lumpy mass of metal and chemical pellets painstakingly laid out and encased in layer after layer of small bricks each carefully shaped, each carefully placed. When he placed this, the last one, and composed the assemblage to the schematics, three times with every sensor that he had at hand, good. It was all laid out precisely as needed. The smith took the hammer-shaped device and briskly walked from his project. The spot was important too. A dozen yards away, and he would switch to cubits if one of his peers tried pushing metric on him one more time. He stopped at a massive boulder, a monument to glaciation, and brought his hammer down against it, metal ringing on the stone. The tone rang out scattering what few local creatures had endured the noise of his handiwork, and the mound of his crafting was suddenly covered in many, many small green lights, one for each brick he had placed. Green, then red. The smith leaned forward, bracing for what was to come, as hundreds of shaped charges that he had so carefully formed and placed ignited, exactly as his schematics had detected. His latest project was an implosion forged in fire and thunder, as though the proper legendary weapon should be. Debris filled the air, and as did the smoke and dust, though the space around the smith stayed clear to reach his arms. Any debris was deflected in a spray of white sparks, a press of smoke and dust showering from some sort of force field pressing back. Implosion forging like this wasn't terribly impressive. It had become quite trendy throughout the human space to the point that most stations of older human cities had heavily armored and twice as heavily insured implosion forges. There were still clubs for the enthusiasts. A few others, though, could also lay circuitry with their blasts. That was a trick that he was particularly smug about. The bits the wielders could ever see would wear his marks indelibly etched along the length of the weapon. I shall serve the ones who serve all, in an old, old tongue, as far as he could confirm it. The blast served its purpose of making the weapons uncommonly heavy for their size and durable for it. The circuitry that integrated served to several purposes. First and foremost, it generated a vectored inertia so that the chosen wielders would not only lift the wield the weapon, but do so with an uncanny power, so long as they were worthy. The other purpose was to project into the wielders' neural architecture several questions. Why am I doing this? What will I accomplish? Am I even worthy? Depending on how these were answered, the simple logic circuits may refuse to allow the weapon to budge. Those who answer well gain a tool that will see them in history for at least a while. Those deemed most worthy and never forgotten. Lastly, the weapons shined. The stew the smith felt important. They were a be memorable, important aspects to the wielders. There was also his artist's vanity to consider. 
Carefully, with an old, old fear that rose from each of those he made, the smith took the hilt of the sword in his hand, and lifted. The same moment of excitement or panic coursed through him. It had been a long, long time since his first blade. He had promised each time that if he were not worthy for the next, he would retire. So far his creations had deemed him and his task worthy. The hard part passed. The smith went back to his maps and examined the lay of the land. The locals had yet to be ready for the blade, but it was late enough in their development to lay the groundwork. A region with enough resources for culture to grow. A location inconvenient to most likely settlement sites and the pass between. But not so much that would remain overlooked forever. There. A small, solid area in the middle of a massive bog, between three prime sites for settlements, but inconvenient enough that there are other ways here and here would become more roads, somewhere that would be known to bandits and locals, easy to find and pleasant to access. There were some nice scenic mountains around too. Several weeks of travel and remembering how little he enjoyed bog slogging, and the smith arrived at the site. With some final words of encouragement, he prepared the sword for its future, pouring several pints of fabrication dust into the center of an island. The island rustled, and then heaved like a time-lapse as the season's passing. The scrubby trees were gently shifted away from the middle, forming a sheltered circle that still let sunlight shine through. Next, an ordinary-seeming granite boulder rose, weathering and growing, even gaining a patina of lichen. The smith pressed the tip of the blade into the boulder and departed, allowing the blade had sunk to the point of the hilt with average grasping height for locals. This accomplished, it stuck fast, held in by the stone that was still setting roots. Any clever souls that tried getting the sword out by simply force would be due to some disappointment. With the clearing still, then the smith stared at the sword in the stone, lost in memories of a day so many, many years ago. A different sword, a different stone. Eventually, he snapped out of it. He started his return through the swamps. There were more planets to visit, more legends to lay the groundwork for. End of story number one. Story number two. Wanderers, written by Parabellum 2077. This was a quote from a Terran hundreds of years ago, before they called themselves such. That it still adequately describes them today. For all of the material advantages, the sedentary life has left us edgy, unfulfilled, and even after 400 generations in villages and cities, we haven't forgotten. The open road softly calls, like a nearly forgotten song. Of childhood. As the Terrans continue to spread out from terror and the soul system, they do so with the decidedly unexpected patterns. They will create cities and colonize worlds most certainly, but for some reason, they always seem to wind up in the strangest of places, carving out homes in asteroid belts or solar systems and the great rings of grass giants. Where other races simply strip mine with drones, they create hidden metropolises seemingly thriving in the harsh conditions as if drawn to them. I can't explain the phenomenon, nor has anyone else been able to, Terran or otherwise. Each time I arrive at one of these way stations in the extremities of the black, I am invited in warmly and welcomed as a friend by these combination scientist, engineer, explorer, thrill seekers that seem to define their species. And as I break bread with them and enjoy a warm meal before continuing on my way, 
I asked them why. Why do you make your homes and live your lives out here, of all places? And each time I'm given a shrug or something of a similar response with a short answer. Because we needed to. It's one of the things that seems to set Terrans apart throughout their history, long before they ever reached the stars when they were still colonizing and conquering their own world, a branch of their own species, the Polynesians colonized the great Pacific Ocean much the same way, hopping from island to island settling it and the next generation continuing on ships handed down to them from the last to find the next island and then the next. I believe it is something integral to Terrans, perhaps hidden within the genome. Without it, they would not truly be Terran. For every inhabited rock and mass of ice that I found, there are another five or so that have seen abandoned. Navlites and landing clamps powered down, left like one might leave a beloved home that they may return to. Nothing would have happened to them, no greater disaster that has killed its inhabitants. The next discovery, the next sight, the next beautiful view. In next thrill, it simply called out to them, and they continued onward on their unspoken and unknown quest to let nothing in this universe go unwitnessed. As I spend more and more time with the Terrans, and as they become more common sight in their own shared galaxy, I can feel their passion and their love for the unknown rubbing off on me. I can feel that itching sensation beneath my coat and my skin, the restlessness of my muscles when I stay somewhere for what begins to feel like too long. I can feel the desire for new experiences, sights, sounds and feelings. And when I move on and I find that which is new, it is the closest thing to magic that I believe one can experience. Too many different species in this galaxy, the word Terran means so many different things. To those who have experienced their military might, like those of my own species, the Volker, Terran becomes synonymous with conqueror, pirate, and eventually our most trusted ally. To those who have experienced their industrial might, their clunky and inelegant but powerful and hardy structures and starships, they are prolific builders. To those who have been surprised to find them having spontaneously taken up residences in hulled warships and derelict stations, they are survivors. But to me, they are above all else, wanderers seeking out the unknown, with their undefinable desire to be some kind of galactic witness, to leave nothing in the galaxy unseen, unheard and untouched. They are here to stay, and our galaxy, and maybe one day others, are all the better for it. End of story number two.